Welcome to another episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. This episode will cover 3rd Nephi chapter 17. I mentioned in the previous chapter episodes and just talking generally about 3rd Nephi that I'm a little intimidated. And so I will do my best and I will share some quotes that I've come across, thoughts that I've had. Um, but I know... And I'm sure that as you study the words and actions of Jesus Christ in these chapters, that the Spirit will touch you and teach you in a way that there's no way that I could. Um, And so my only goal and hope is to help you and get you excited to go and jump into those scriptures so that the Spirit, so that the Lord can teach you. So to begin chapter 17, Christ looks out over the, the multitude and he says, all right, it's time for me to take a little break here. I can see that you're weak and that you need I you need a little break from me. You need time to think about what I've taught you. So he says, go, go to your homes and ponder upon the things which I have said and pray and ask the Father to understand and to help you prepare your minds. I think this is a great scripture for a lot of times in our life, but especially as we get ready for a general conference. Um, this this coming week, that as we um, really take the time to pray and ponder upon the things that have been taught to us by the scriptures and by Christ in the scriptures and by the living apostles and prophets in the most recent conference and the most recent Liahona and Ensign editions. Uh, what have we been taught? Ponder on those things and ask God to help to prepare our minds so that we can be ready to uh, absorb and heed the words that are, are going to be shared with, shared with us. Um, and so pondering got me thinking about uh, a few years back, if you recall, uh, Elder, is he Elder? I'm trying to remember what his calling is, if he's in the 70 or... Uh, but Devin Durant um, gave a talk about, and it was the ponderize, right? He talked about ponderizing to get a scripture and put it up on the fridge or somewhere that you see it and ponderize that scripture. What does it mean? Think about it. Think about it throughout your day. And that's what Christ was in, inviting these people to do, was go back, go home, think and ponder and pray about the words that he had shared. Because by doing that, it prepares us for more. It, te- it lays the foundation. That's It's one way in which line upon line works. Is He gives us a little bit, and at the surface we learn something. But as we ponder and think and pray about it, something else is added to it, which then prepares us for something more. President Marion G. Romney talked about um, pondering. He says, as I've read the scriptures, I've been challenged... I have been challenged by the word ponder, so frequently used in the Book of Mormon. The dictionary says that ponder means to weigh mentally, think deeply about, deliberate, and meditate. Pondering is, in my feeling, a form of prayer. It has at least been approached to the Spirit of the Lord on many occasions. Nephi tells us of one such occasion. From 1 Nephi chapter 11, For it came to pass, after I had desired to know the things of my father had seen, believing that the Lord was able to make them known unto me, as I sat pondering in mine heart, I was caught away in the Spirit of the Lord into an exceedingly high mountain. Then follows Nephi's account of the great vision he was given by the Spirit of the Lord. Because he believed, 
the words of his prophet father and had such great desire to know more that he pondered and prayed about them. Do we believe the words of our prophet? And are we taking the time to ponder and pray about them? Nephi could have stopped at believing and he would have been blessed for believing. But because he believed and pondered and prayed, he was given more information. He was given the same vision and he was given the interpretation of the vision. Remember that when he came out of that, he had a greater knowledge and he was able to teach and instruct his brothers in 1 Nephi 15. We can be blessed at the surface level by believing the prophet. We can be blessed at a surface level by studying the scriptures and believing them. But the Lord wants us to put a little more effort in. And this really strikes the heart of why I started this podcast, right? Is I wanted to I wanted to try harder to be a little better at studying. And I wanted to invite others, no matter where they were, no matter what they were currently doing in their studies, to do that same thing. Because I've seen in my life that as I do that, as I put forth that little bit more effort, I'm rewarded tenfold, exponentially, the Lord blesses me. And I wanted that same, those same type of blessings for other people. So Christ looks out on the multitude, though, and he sees that they really are not moving. <laughs> and he has compassion on them because he, he can tell that they really want him to stay. So he says, okay, my, uh, my bowels are filled with compassion. Bring any that are sick. And he heals, you know, he's bringing them hither. Have you any that are lame or blind or halt or maimed or leprous or that are withered or deaf or afflicted in any manner? Bring them hither and I will heal them. President Oaks talked about this. Um, he said, When the Savior appeared to the righteous in the new world, he called for persons to come forward who were lame or blind or had other physical ailments. He extended the same invitation to those that are afflicted in, in any manner. Bring them hither, he said, and I will heal them. The Book of Mormon tells how the multitude brought forward all them that were afflicted in any manner. This must have included persons with every kind of physical and emotional or mental affliction, and the scripture testifies that Jesus did heal them, every one. The Savior teaches that we will have tribulation in the world, but we should be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. His atonement reaches and is powerful enough not only to pay the price for sin, but also to heal every mortal affliction. No matter what your affliction is, the Savior can heal it. His power, his atonement, his grace is mighty to save. So they bring them forward. It's um, and uh, he he does. He heals every single one of them, and they bow down at his feet and worship him and kiss him, and they show this immense gratitude. And what's interesting is he says, "I perceive that you desire I should show unto you that I have done for your brethren at Jerusalem. For I see that your faith is sufficient that I should heal you." Remember, in his life he went about healing, right? And uh, doing good and, and doing these types of miracles. How do the people there react, though? By and large, not well. They and uh, they killed him. And yet, here we have the Nephi people and expressing this immense gratitude. When they see these miracles, what do they do? They fell down and they began to worship him. And as many could come forth on the multitude did kiss his feet, insomuch that they did bathe his feet with their tears. So then he invites all the little children to come. And he sets them down around him. And he commands everyone to kneel down. Everyone kneels down. And he goes a ways off. 
And he, he, he groans within himself and said, Father, I am troubled because of the wickedness of the people of the house of Israel. He's seeing this contrast of the people that he had just lived his life with in these Nephites. Uh, he then kneels down and he prayed unto the Father and the things which he prayed cannot be written. And the multitude did bear record. And no tongue can speak, neither can there be written by any man, neither can the hearts of men conceive so great marvelous things as we both saw and heard Jesus speak. So here we here we have this. Uh, I mentioned in, in another episode in the past that when the Spirit speaks to us, when God speaks to us, it can be difficult and at times impossible to translate those thoughts and feelings into language. He touches us and he, he reaches into our heart and he speaks to our heart and our mind. But in a in a in a way and in a language, for lack of a better word, that, that we understand but cannot translate. He speaks to us, Second Nephi thirty one Nephi says that he he teaches us all according to our language and tongue so that we can understand. But it can be really hard and, like I said, sometimes impossible to translate that. And that's the experience these people have. And this scripture in this chapter is pretty famous for the blessing of the children, which I'll touch on here in a moment. But what's interesting is he prays first for everyone here. He's praying for the parents. And the words that are inexpressible and that have, that no tongue can speak, neither can there be written by any man, neither can the hearts of men conceive, is for these for everyone, for these parents, for the adults. And as we get into the and as we I'll tra- translate uh, transition now, not translate transition now into what happens next is he then blesses the little children right in Third Nephi chapter twenty six. Again, the, I, I mentioned these are just. just Take these things together, this whole this whole time that he spends with the Nephites, because in Third Nephi twenty sixth he loose the tongues of these little ones are loosed and they speak marvelous things that it, their parents can't even comprehend and are amazed. What did Christ? What Christ is really what has he does in blessing them and loosing their tongues is he allows their parents to see them in their eternal light. As parents, I'm a parent, and I can speak to this. It's easy to look at my little boy or my little girl and think, that's my little boy or my little girl, and lose sight that it's God's son and God's daughter, whose spirit may be of more ancient date than mine, whose spirit is probably more valiant than mine, who is probably more valiant in the premortal existence to the testimony of Jesus Christ than me. These parents, these Nephite parents, are given a glimpse of the eternal value of their little ones and the sacred stewardship that they have in raising them. And for us, it should point us in that same direction to help us see when Christ says, bring me the little ones, and he shows you how important the little ones are, when he looses their tongue and they speak marvelous things, it's because we and they are equals. They are sons and daughters of God, just as we are sons and daughters of God. They chose Christ before this life, just like we chose Christ before this life. Uh, and so he he does. He has the little ones come, and 
he takes their little ones and one by one and bless them. And he's, and as they looked, uh, he says, behold your little ones. And they looked and they saw the heavens open and they saw angels ascending out of heaven uh, as it were in the midst of fire. And they came down and encircled those little ones about and they were encircled about with fire and the angels did minister unto them. Uh, let's see. Sister, I don't even know how to say her first name, so I'm not going to try. And I guess I'm going to try. Micheline? 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 Sister Grassley, uh, in 1992, said, she was, by the way, the general primary president. She said, it's, it is significant to me that's a, that the Savior gave the most sacred teachings only to the children, then loosed their tongues so they could teach the multitude. This comes from 3 Nephi 26, like I said. But is it any wonder that following the Savior's visit to the Nephites, the, the people lived in righteousness for 200 years? Because of the miraculous instructions, blessing, and attention they and their children received, righteousness was perpetuated by their children's children for many generations. Let's not underestimate the capacity, potential, and power of today's children to perpetuate righteousness. No group of people in the church is as as receptive to the truth. And I second that, that, uh, like I said, I'm I'm sure that my kids are better than me and will be better than me in this life and were better than me before this life. Uh, We are all sons and daughters of God and Christ gave those parents and and vicariously gives us the opportunity to see their worth. Um, let uh, let's wrap that up. Actually, that's a a place. I guess a place. Um, again, I've struggled with these chapters quite a bit um, and feeling intimidated. So I'm not gonna say that's the best place or a good place to stop, but it's a place to stop and transition to chapter 18. In the next episode, we'll discuss Third Nephi chapter 18, Christ instituting the sacrament and um, teaching about the the sanctity and holiness of the sacrament, what it represents. And uh, so I hope you'll join me in that next episode as we discuss 3 Nephi chapter 18.